Thanks for joining us today for the Eagle Drive Baptist Church podcast with Pastor Chris Thorne. Eagle Drive is a Bible-believing New Testament Baptist Church where Jesus is preeminent and the gospel of grace is at center stage. We are devoted to connecting with God, growing together, serving others, and sharing our faith. If you would like to know more about our ministry, visit EagleDriveBaptist.com. Now, here's today's message. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the passage I read earlier, Romans chapter number 8 this morning. Romans chapter 8, we're going to start in verse number 22, uh, but our primary focus is one verse, and it's a verse many of us know, many of us can quote probably, but I, I wonder just how impacting and impactful it is in our lives. I've realized in my own life there are many verses that I've memorized and committed to memory, but I go through the motions. I kind of just say them flippantly and not really understand what it's saying. And Romans 8.28 is one of those verses that have been for me in the past where I've said it without really realizing the significance of it. So once you find your place in God's word, why don't you stand if you could. Romans chapter 8, we're going to start in verse number 22 this morning. Follow along if you would. The Bible says, For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of the body. For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? But if we hope for that which we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know that not what we should pray, for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is in the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession prayers for the saints according to the will of God. Verse number 28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. I want you to read that verse with me. Ready? Begin. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. And God, as we've talked about your love, and even the songs, just so worshipful, just reminding me of who you are. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would help me for the next few minutes to give this challenge, this encouraging word that you gave me last night. And I pray that this message would convict and challenge the hearts today. And Lord, if there is someone here today that has never trusted you as their Savior, God, I pray that today might be that day. That they would give their life to you and understand that life is not guaranteed. Lord, we, we all think so often that, well, we have many days left, but we don't know how many days, we don't know how many breaths that we have left. So God, I pray that today might be the day someone comes to you. And Lord, for the Christian, I pray that today might be a day to remind us of the brevity of life and to remind us that we should live every day, every breath for your honor, for your glory, to worship you, to realize it's not about ourselves, but it's all about our Savior. Heavenly Father, we love you. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Thank you so much. You may be seated. 
To me, one of the most beautiful verses in all the Bible is Romans chapter 8, verse 28. This passage has been determined by some as the Mount Everest for Christians. And when you think of this passage in this verse, it's very easy to question, how can bad things be meant for our good? How can tragedy and failure be meant for our good? That's a question that I've asked many times, and I'm sure you've asked that as well. <coughs> Excuse me. I don't necessarily have all the answers <coughs> concerning that. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> I don't have all the answers concerning why bad things happen, why tragedy happens. <coughs> Man, <coughs> I'm struggling. But I know that God is in control. <coughs> Man. I think I swallowed something. <coughs> Gotta get those bugs out of They never had contact with anyone else from that village. And eventually, the other couple contracted malaria and left Africa. The floods were there on their own. Not long after, Sevilla, who was pregnant, also contracted malaria and died a few days after giving birth. Her husband dug a crude grave, burying his 27-year-old wife and went back to the main mission station. He gave his newborn baby girl to the missionaries there and said, I'm going back to Sweden. I've lost my wife. I obviously can't take care of this child. And then he made a statement that probably many of us have said, thought, heard. And the statement he said was this, God has ruined my life. David took his son, left Africa, some missionaries adopted the baby girl and brought her back to the United States to raise her. See, here was a man who had faith in God, but gave up his faith. And I've seen that many times in the midst of tragedy, in the midst of heartbreak. Something difficult happens that we do not understand. Instead of turning to God, we run from God. Instead of relying on God, we blame God. And look, it's okay during tragedy and trial to question and you know, be angry and upset and throw things at God because his shoulders are big enough and he can handle it. We have to understand that. But 
At the same time, God does work all things for good, for his glory, even though we don't understand it right now. You know, it would be nice if we had the option to change some things that have happened in our life, but the reality is that doesn't happen. It would be nice if we didn't have to go through pain and suffering and tragedy and heartbreak, but the reality is that doesn't happen. And I've realized in my own life that those things happen for a reason. And I've realized that God is trying to mature us, to perfect us, to make us more like his son. Let me ask you a question. You see, when tragedy strikes, it sometimes feels like it's the end. But what if what feels like the end is actually just the middle of your story? The question we must ask this morning is this. Do we really believe all things work together for good? Some would say yes. Many might even say yes, but do we believe it? Many believe in Jesus Christ, but they do, not, they do not believe him enough and have a confidence that his grace truly is all we need and truly will work all things out in the end. You know, how, how does it work out for good when God takes a man in the prime of his life that's serving him, that's giving his life to him? How does that work out? It doesn't make sense. And when you look at this verse, verse 828, or verse 28 of chapter 8 of Romans, there are two things that immediately, to me, jump out to me that I do not like. <laughs> two things that I just cannot stand. <laughs> there are two problems that I see with this verse. And here's the first thing. To me, it promises something that I have a hard time believing. It promises something that I have a hard time, that we have a hard time believing. How can we be so sure in this verse? How can we be so sure in God? We want things to work out for good, but do we really believe they will? The second thing it does for me that I have a hard time with is this. It includes things that I think should be left out. Here's what I mean. The Bible says, and we know that, what are the next two words? All things. To me, this is just me. Speaking from my heart this morning, right now. Sometimes in life, I believe those two words should be taken out of the Bible. Because I don't believe all things truly work out for good. I believe some things work out for good. But I have a hard time believing that all things work out for good. Because, one, I am not God. I am not omnipotent. I'm not all-powerful. I don't know everything. I like to be in control, but I am not in control. But God, our Savior, Jesus Christ, is sovereign. Is he not? Amen. He is in control. So even though I have a hard time believing something, even though I think there are things that should be left out, God says, no, there's a reason for it. And there's something very important, a couple things very important that we learn from these verses that God has given me that God has helped me with in my life through my own tragedy and struggle and weakness. Go back to verse number 22. There's two words that are used in verse 22 that are used in verse 28 as well. The Bible says, for we know, verse 22, verse 28, and we know. <laughs> these two phrases, these two words are the same. We know. 
When you study out that phrase in the Greek, you discover that it means an absolute, unshakable confidence. So what Paul is writing here is he's saying that we have a confidence, an absolute, unshakable confidence in the fact of what these verses are telling us. Paul speaks with confidence and certainty. You see, because he's witnessed God's grace firsthand in his life. He's seen its redeeming work. He's experienced things that have happened when grace catches up to you. And the first thing that we learn from this verse is we must begin with God's promise. We must begin with God's promise. God doesn't promise that everything is going to work the way that we want it to work. But he does promise that everything will work together the way that he intends it to work. And I've realized in my life that God never goes back on his promises. That what he promised 6,000 years ago is still the same today. And when we look at verses like this, when we read verses like this, we must begin with God's promises. That God does not break his promises. We've all broken a promise. But God's promises never return void. Look, Paul was not just hopeful. He wasn't just hoping things would work out. He knew things would work out because he had confidence not in himself, but he had confidence in God. Where does your confidence lie? Is your confidence in yourself? Is your confidence in a man or woman? Is your confidence in your job? Is your confidence in Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior? God isn't just there to make some things work out by chance. You see, once we get saved, we have the promise that he is there every step of the way. He is there in the beginning. He is there in the middle. He is there in the end. He is there when we get the news that we don't like. He is there when we get the news that we do like. God is always there. He has never left us, never forsaken us. Paul is not saying that whatever happens is good. Because a lot of things that happen in life are not good. He's not saying that suffering and tragedy are good. He's not saying the loss of loved ones is good. He's not saying that you're going to fully understand it all when he comes. But what he is saying is that God is there working in your life. That God has given us a promise. And as his children, even though things seem bleak, even when they're at their darkest, God is still there. Because God is a God of light. Now think about when kids are scared of the dark, they run to their parents. The parent comes in and, and they help the child. They might turn on the lights and say, hey, there's nothing here, nothing to be afraid of. Eventually they turn the lights off. The parent stays there with the child and is trying to help them. And, and the child eventually falls asleep, even in the darkness. But my question is this, does the darkness go away? No, it's there. But what helps that child? The fact that their mom and dad is there. What helps us as children of God? The fact that our Heavenly Father is there watching over us because he cares for us. You know what God is trying to do us do in our lives? He's trying to conform us into the image of his son. He's trying to make us more like him, not more like ourselves. And the first thing we must realize is that we must begin with God's promise. We know. We have confidence. We have assurance that God will work it all out for our good, for his glory. In the end, we don't understand it now, and you're not going to understand it now, no matter what happens. But God is there. His promises are true. 
The same promise he gave you yesterday is the same promise he'll give you today and tomorrow, that he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. And God is, again, trying to mature us, trying to grow us, trying to fashion us into the image of his son. He's trying to make us more like him. And even in the midst of tragedy, I've realized that God is trying to make me more like Jesus and less of myself. There's an illustration I think I've used before, but there was a gentleman who God had spoke to and the, God had said, I want you to, there's a boulder in front of your house and I want you to start pushing the boulder. And every day the man went out and he pushed the boulder and day after day he couldn't really get this boulder to move. <laughs> it was a pretty big boulder, pretty big rock. And day after day, day after day, day after day, week after week, Every day he was pushing against that boulder, pushing against the boulder, pushing against the boulder, but nothing happened, nothing changed. And finally, God, what are you doing? I'm trying to, to move this boulder. I'm trying to, to get rid of it. I, I cannot get rid of it. God spoke to him and he said, I never asked you to move the boulder. He said, why don't you go look in the mirror? The man looked in the mirror and the guy was just jacked. <laughs> say it better, I guess, probably a better way, but you see what God was saying is, you see the strength that you have now? I never intended you to move it. I just intended to make you stronger. You see, that's what God is trying to do with us in our lives. He's not trying to get us to move the trials. The trials are there to make us stronger, to make us more like Christ. First and foremost, we must begin with God's promises. The second thing is this. We must understand God's purpose. You see, whatever you're going through or have gone through or will go through, understand that there is a purpose in it all. Like, I wish things didn't have to happen the way that they've happened. I wish we didn't have to go through difficulties. But it seems like we learn more in the darkness than we do in the light. We gain more from sickness than we do in health because it's here where we learn to trust. It's here where we learn a little bit more of God's purposes. You know, there are two things that we can take to the bank. Life is hard. That's what verse 22 says. But verse 28 tells us that God is good. Understand that, church. Life is hard. Life is difficult. But I'm here to tell you that God is good, that God has never failed you, that God will never fail you. The same God that was there yesterday is there today and will be there for tomorrow. As I was preparing this yesterday, last night, there's a song that ran through my head, and it's a song by Joseph Habedank, and it's Never No Never. He says, I've seen God's people pray by a hospital bed. I've seen them struggling for their daily bread. I've seen them standing at the grave of one who left us too young. I've heard them crying out for their wayward son. But I've never, no, never seen the righteous forsaken. I've seen them with tears in their eyes, seen them with their hearts breaking. I've seen them tested and tried. I've seen them with their faith shaken. But I've never, no, never seen the righteous forsaken. I've seen them when it seemed like there was no help in sight seen him when it seemed like there was nothing but night. But in the eyes of heaven, something else was going on. They may have been all by themselves, but they were never alone. And friend, you are never alone because Jesus Christ is always there. I have never, no, never seen the righteous forsaken.
And that song was a great encouragement to me. God has never forsaken me. I've forsaken him plenty of times, but Jesus Christ has never forsaken me. I've seen heartache. I've experienced hurt. I've felt pain, but I've seen God's love and his compassion. I've experienced his grace. Life is hard. It's full of turmoil. But God is good, and I'm here to tell you that God's grace is greater than your despair. It doesn't matter what you're going through, and I'm not trying to make light of the situation, but God's grace is greater. And I know Carrie can testify of that. We we talked a lot about God's grace. We spent a lot of time together, and, and we talked about the overwhelming, transforming power of God's grace and what it did in his life. And I'm sure if he were here today, he would say that God's grace is greater than the despair that you're going through, than the heartache, than the trouble. You see, it doesn't make sense. How can all the bad work out for my good? Get this, when God is the author of your story, you can trust that his grace will have the final word. Nothing happens that is outside of his control. Our good and his good don't always match up, but we know, we trust that he is working. So the question is, who are you trusting in today? Jesus Christ is trustworthy because he never fails. Life is tough. Life is hard. Again, Paul understands this better than most, and I can talk more in depth about that at another time, but Paul went through so much heartache, so much trouble. When he's writing this, he's not just writing things that he doesn't believe in. He's writing things that he knows are true because he's seen God's grace at work in his life. He's seen that God's grace is limitless. There is no end to its power. And because of grace, we know that all things not only can, but will work out for good because when we love him, when we give our lives to him and trust his purposes, God shows us what he's trying to do. And there's something we learn, and I just shared with it just a minute ago, but Grace offers hope in the midst of our despair. Grace offers hope in the midst of our despair. You see, sometimes what we think is the end might just be the the middle. Remember the story I shared with you at the beginning of David and Sevilla? David lost his wife, lost his friends, blamed God. For what happened. Gave that baby girl away. The daughter was given the name Aggie. And grew up in the United States. With Christian parents. One day she checked her mailbox. For some unknown reason. And she found a Swedish magazine. She was flipping through the pages. When a photo stopped her cold. It was a picture of a crude grave. With a white cross. On the cross was the name Sevilla Flood. It was the grave of her mother. She recognized her birth mother's name. She took the magazine to someone who could translate the story that accompanied the photo. Aggie sat there and listened to the story about the work that her mother had done as a missionary. Sometime later, she traveled to Sweden to find her father. He had remarried, had four more kids, and he had basically ruined his life with alcohol. After an emotional meeting with her half-siblings, Aggie brought up the subject of seeing her father. They hesitated and explained, you you can talk to him all you want, but he's very ill and 
You need to know that whenever the name God is mentioned, he flies into a fit of rage. But Aggie wasn't deterred. She walked into his tiny apartment, saw empty liquor bottles everywhere, and approached the 73-year-old man who had deserted her many years before. As soon as she said, Papa, he began to cry and apologize profusely. She smiled. It's all right, Papa. You see, God has taken care of me. But instantly he stiffened and his tears stopped. God forgot about us, he said, turning his face to the wall. Our lives have been like this because of him. Papa, I've got a story to tell you, and it's a true one. That little boy that you and Mama led to the Lord grew up to lead his entire village to Jesus Christ. That one seed that you planted just kept growing and growing and growing. And today there are more than 600 African people that are serving the Lord because you were faithful to God's call in your life. Papa, you didn't go to Africa in vain. Mama didn't die in vain. Papa, Jesus loves you. He has never hated you. David was stunned. His muscles relaxed. And the conversation continued. By the end of the day, he came back to God. The God that he resented for so many decades. And within weeks, he walked through the doorway of death into the presence of Jesus. For so many years, David Flood had a messed up view of God's goodness. I'm sure he looked at passages like this and probably thought the initial thing that I thought. I don't like that. I can't know for certain that it's going to work out. I don't like the whole all things. I like some things or a couple of things. But he didn't realize that God works everything together. And we know that all things work together for good. To them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. You see, David never waited to see how God would work it out. And so many individuals never wait to see how God works out their story. Because instead of continuing to read the book, they close the book. God's done with me. I'm done with God. God's not done with you. God has a purpose for you. And maybe, 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 just maybe, instead of the closing the book, instead of being mad at God and angry with God and frustrated with God and just going off in a rage, maybe you should turn to God and realize that he's not finished with your story. If you're here today, you're here for a purpose. If you're here today, it's because God hasn't finished your race. There's still more to live. There's still more to do. And I know it's going to be easy to give up. It's going to be easy to complain. It's going to be easy to be ridden with guilt and shame and all kinds of emotions. I, I, I get that. Those are natural. Those are part of grief. But I just want to encourage you to realize that God still wants you to be an impact. That God still wants you to live each breath for him, to worship him, to glorify him. 
Look, Romans 8, 28 has the power to bring hope in the midst of despair. But understand, understand that this verse is only intended for a Christian. It's only intended for those that know Jesus Christ as their Savior. And I would dare say that there is at least one person today that is here that has never trusted Jesus as their Savior. And you go ahead and you try to live life on your own and you tell me how it works out because the Bible says it is appointed of the man once to die. And after that, the judgment. And when you stand before Jesus Christ, he's either going to accept you into heaven because you have accepted his gift of salvation or he's going to reject you into hell. That is a real place today. And I'm not trying to scare anyone today, but that is the truth, the reality, that there is a real hell and there is a real heaven and there is a real God. And God loves you and God's grace provides us a guarantee that we can know that all things work together for good because this life is not the end. There is something far better waiting for us and Carrie gets to experience it. I'm a little jealous. He gets to experience it before us, but that's okay because God still has us here for a purpose. And the purpose is to live our lives for his honor, for his glory. For the Christian, God's grace works through your pain to draw you closer to God. And it's working in your pain to make you more like Jesus. Verse 29, it talks about being conformed to the image of his son. That's what Jesus is trying to do through this. He's trying to conform you and make you more like Jesus Christ. And if you're here today and you never trusted Christ, what are you waiting for? Do you think you have the rest of your life? Because you might have one more minute. You may have one more second. None of us expected Carrie to die yesterday. We had a phenomenal prayer breakfast and men's Bible study. He was doing exactly what he loved to do. He was out there chopping down some roots and He was excited about it, and all of a sudden, he passed away into eternity. He was in the prime of his life. But God said, you know what? Your race is done. So don't think you have the rest of your life to give your life to God. If you're not saved, today, behold, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day you need to come to Christ. Today is the day... Man, get saved. Trust Jesus as your Savior because you don't know how long your life is. And I would love to show you from the Bible how you can know for sure you can be saved. I would love to have someone else help you to know for sure how you can be saved. But for the Christian today as well, know that God still has a purpose for your life. God's purpose is to live your life for his glory, for his honor, to worship him. Think of the impact that Carrie has made on us. What kind of impact are we making on other people? God just convicted of me that yesterday as I was thinking about it, that I don't want his life to be in vain. I want to make sure that every breath that I have left in my body, whether it's 16 more breaths or 600,000 more breaths, that I am living for God's glory, for God's honor. And maybe for the Christian today, maybe this is a kick in the seat. To say, hey, why are you waiting? Why are you trying to fool around with all the things of this world that don't bring happiness, that don't bring satisfaction, that don't bring joy? Give your life to Christ. Do something for him. 
So many people, I, I want to go all in, but I'm too scared. What are you scared for? I don't know what's going to happen. Give it to Jesus and he will, he will make everything happen the way that he intends it to happen. And I promise you, it'll be more joyful than the life that you try to live on your own. I pray that this might be a turning point for those that knew Carrie, for our church, that many would just give their lives to God, consecrate their lives to him, get saved, trust him as their savior, and realize that I don't know how much time I have, but every breath that I have, I am going to live for God, for his glory. I am going to worship him. When God is the author of your story, you can trust his grace will have the final word. God's grace has the final word. God's grace is greater than our despair. And as Romans 8, 28 says, and I say this from my heart because this verse has impacted me when I lost my son seven years ago. At first, I didn't like it, but I realized that it was true. That I can know that all things work together for good. To them that love God, to them that are called according to his purpose. That even though it won't make sense in my life, and it still doesn't make sense seven years ago, it doesn't make sense from a day ago. It may never make sense this side of heaven, but I know that God is working in my life to make me more like him. For his glory. For his honor. And again, if you're here today and you never trusted Christ as your Savior, what are you waiting for? Oh, I got another 15 years or so. No, you don't. This might be your last day. And if you're here today and you haven't really given your life to Christ, I don't care if you're 10 years old or if you're 96 years old, what are you waiting for? Well, I'm waiting for this to happen, this to happen, this to happen. Just give it to God. What's holding you back?